So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard for Spike, Juchi, Maine, Cohen. I am Matt Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. I completely... Juchi. Juchi. I totally forgot to load the intro in. <laughs> yep, totally forgot to do that. Uh, for anybody watching, I am streaming this for the very first time in a really long time, and this has been the worst day ever. Absolutely ever. Uh, I feel bad for you, but then at the same time, you don't. I don't feel bad for you because no, I do this twice a week. Right. No, I get that. And you're getting a you're getting a taste of what it's like to be Spike Cohen. <laughs> Doing the thing I did for a year and a half, two years. Doing the thing that you did for like yeah, <laughs> yeah a year and a half. A year and a half. So, and I will be. I'm still listening to you, but you're going to stop seeing me because I'm finishing retweeting this on Twitter. So you. Save I'm going I'm to do the things. Oh, do the things. Uh, first and foremost, allow me to thank Casey Nether Campbell for the cava that I'm drinking on today's episode. That allow, uh-oh. And allow, thank the... That allow, hold, well, I'm going to have to take you with me briefly. Allow me to thank, in one, just one second, I'm going to get some water here so I can thank it. Because that's what I do. I thank water on my for a program once a week. And I do water that I drink that's helpful allow me to thank allow me to thank here we go allow me to thank Aquafina for this delicious water that I'm drinking in beautiful Chicago Illinois Bulavanaka 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 Chicago and also actually technically I'm in Schaumburg ah Schaumburg Illinois Schaumburg Good old Schaumburg. Schaumburg. Well, is that near Shermer, Illinois? I don't know. Hmm. It's just northwest of Evanston. Ah. Um, also allow us to thank Black Organic Coffee. Uh, that is B-L-V-C-K. Because BLVCK. BLVCK, because why not? Uh, why the hell not? They are a fantastic cold brew coffee company out of Southern California, uh, highly recommended by us. And if you go to BLVCKBrews.com and use checkout code MW, you will get free shipping. This episode is also brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus the fastest-growing waffle-based caucus in the Libertarian Party. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by... I can't believe I kept your month for the Libertarian dad bod calendar. Uh, totally could have put somebody else up there, and that would have been hilarious. That would have been hilarious. The libertarian dad bod calendar that has many, many Libertarian men that I would not ever refer to as sexy. And as... Always, this episode is brought to you by Henry McMaster, who is and always will be a bitch. A total bitch, a yes. A total bitch. An absolute and complete bitch. That's right. And also the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. And also the Jorgensen Cohen campaign. And also Chris Reynolds' attorney law. Correct. Um, did I not add that i didn't add something hang on a second um <laughs> i hate streaming i really do 
Uh, it's okay. I'll be back next week, and then I'll, I'll be doing this again. Uh, yeah. So, folks, the reason that Matt is having an existential crisis live in front of you is because I am in beautiful Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, doing my Illinois whistle stop tour. Um, I guess there's no train involved, so it's not really a whistle stop tour, but I have been whistling every time we stop uh, in uh, throughout Illinois uh, as part of the Jorgensen Cohen campaign, joe20.com, j-o-2-0.com. And uh, I have been going around through the uh, beautiful state of Illinois, Illinois in the summer, my favorite thing. Uh, and going, uh, I went there to uh, file, officially file for the Jorgensen Cohen campaign to uh, file to be uh, on the ballot in Illinois. And I went with many other libertarian candidates uh, throughout the state, Bill Redpath, Danny Mayloff, Ian Peake, Birds Aren't Real, uh, and um, who else? Um, Preston Nelson and some other whose names escape me at the moment. And uh, then we had a uh, I've been went to a meet and greet, meet and greet where uh, close to a hundred people showed up to see me at a at Max Bar in uh, beautiful Peoria, Illinois. I played in Peoria. <laughs> None of you are going to get that. And uh, and then today I did a photo shoot. Uh, for future viral video. Well, I did a photo shoot and then many video shoots for future viral videos by our very own Dan Smots. And uh, then tomorrow I will be at the Fox Valley meet and greet. And I will be doing a bunch of other stuff tomorrow too, interviews and everything else. Then I'm flying to beautiful Columbus, Ohio to participate in a uh, Black Lives Matter rally and also to keynote the Libertarian Party of Ohio's convention uh, and then do some other stuff as well. I'm doing a Reddit AMA and I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. That's why I'm not in South Carolina. Why Matt is having a nervous breakdown right now. Matt? That's actually very accurate. So uh, somebody said, <laughs> Cassandra Fudge said in the comments, Illinois in the summer is being in Satan's butthole. So as, a, as a man from South Carolina, where is it worse in the summertime? I love all of America, Matt. And the thing I love most about Illinois is the can-do attitude of the people that I've met here. Real salt of the earth people. This is God's country out here. That's fair. Uh, For something else completely insane and ridiculous, it is now time for the black cold cold brewed caffeinated Co-rapid fire segment. Co-rapid fire. Co-rapid fire. Brought to you by Black Organic Coffee. Um, (laughs) This past week, John Lewis. (laughs) We have a special guest. (laughs) We have a special guest. Let me, As part of the new, the Matt Tacular. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Matt's having a nervous breakdown right now. An extreme nervous breakdown. Go ahead, Matt. Is that is that the laser legend? This is the laser legend himself, Matt Hicks. <laughs> what's up, Matt Hicks? What's up, hashtag laser legend? I have your... He said, what's up? You you can't wait for me to say it on there. It's like... There's a delay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so here, let me take this thing off here. Um, it is... Uh, we've got your question loaded, ready to go. I cannot answer that question. I listened to it. 
Only Spike will be able to answer that question. It's going to be beautiful whatever happens. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be wonderful whatever happens, but I I don't know their laws. Bloomington, Illinois is hate speech. <laughs> so john lewis passed away this week oh it's a terrible tragedy a terrible tragedy um many politicians shared their condolences for the longtime congressman um sad very sad however none were as memorable as marco rubio's marco tweeted out oh yeah <laughs> it was it was an honor to know and be blessed with the opportunity to serve in congress with john lewis a genuine and historic american hero may the lord grant him eternal peace and as you can see here along with the along with the photo or along with the tweet was a photo of marco and john wait that's not John Lewis. That's not John Lewis. That's that's Elijah Cummings. Elijah Cummings. Yeah. That's Elijah Cummings. Remzo Martinez uh, did a really great tweet where he said it was fantastic meeting Marco Rubio, and he had a picture of Mario Lopez, <laughs> and uh, it was perfect. <laughs> I uh, I really enjoyed that. So personally, I would like to think that Marco is not the one <laughs> that made this mistake. One would hope, yes. But is it any better if it's a social media team that made this mistake? As someone who has a social media team, yes. And I only say that because if my social media team makes a mistake, I hope to be able to say, oh my gosh, I can't believe my social media team would <laughs> do that. I'm so sorry. And then it doesn't reflect poorly on me. But in reality, you know, because he hired them. But I mean, kind of, I guess kind of, because one would hope that Marco Rubio didn't think that Elijah Cummings was John Lewis. Right. But like that, you hope he doesn't go into the Capitol building and see Elijah Cummings like freak out. Oh, it's the zombie. Like, you know, hopefully like that was just an aide or someone on the social media team who grabbed a picture of him. And thought that was John Lewis. Grabbed a picture of him with a black guy? Just a, a black guy. <laughs> like, no matter who did this tweet, it doesn't go down a good road for Marco. Oh, it wasn't good regardless. No. It would be better if it would, it would be slightly better if it were someone on social media who Googled Marco Rubio with John Lewis. And for some reason that came up. Probably not that. Might have been Marco Rubio, black guy folder, and they and they grabbed him. He's like, here's an here's an old black man that I've seen before. That must be John Lewis. Right. That would be better if than if Marco himself was thumbing through his pictures and went, yeah, that's that's me with John Lewis did, right there. Did Elijah Cummings passed away? Right. Didn't he pass away a while ago? Yeah, he'd passed away last year. Oh, that's right, he did. So maybe it was in a folder, dead black guy. Marco Rubio, dead black guy. <laughs> Marco Rubio with dead black guys? Yeah, and they grabbed it. 
That would actually make all of this worse. <laughs> that would make it all if there was a me with dead black guys folder in Mark on Marco's computer. And to, no, that would explain it. So the social media team was looking for Marco Rubio with dead black eyes, not realizing that Elijah. John's John Lewis's photos wouldn't be in there yet because he had just died. Right. And they found the ones they, with him. They in didn't Emmanuel. have time to move it to that folder. Yeah. So they right. These are all terrible options. <laughs> no matter none what, of them are good. None of them are good. None of them look good on little Marco. Something else that doesn't look good. Uh, I really need you on this side. Speaking of things that don't look good. Speaking of things that don't look good, in the recent discussions over a second round of stimulus payments for the country, the Democrats and Republicans have different ideas on how much money should be printed. Uh, the Republicans have a starting point of $1 trillion, while the Democrats are holding firm on the $3 trillion in additional spending. Oof. Three trillion, and Three is that trillion. on? That's just going to give everyone money, or no? It's going no, go to go. There's other things in no. there. I, yeah, of course. I didn't want to spend too much time on this because basically, yeah. um, I just wanted to point out that the Senate returned from their summer break uh, yesterday, um, and they have two weeks ahead of them to argue over one trillion or three trillion before they go back on another break. So they have a good two weeks of being at home before having to get out to take another break after their long, lengthy, two-week working. Of work, of working. Of work. It's tough work to work for two weeks and then do whatever you want on someone else's dollar. Right. And truly, this debate really depends on whether or not the country wants $1 trillion worth of socialism. Three trillion dollars worth of and, I, and let me let me. This is one trillion dollars of socialism and crony capitalism, or three yeah. trillion dollars of socialism and crony capitalism and crony capitalism. Yeah, with neither it's side really the worst, and neither side saying it's socialism or crony capitalism. Well, or crony capitalism. Right. They're just saying we're going to spend all this money for just. We're going to spend all this money. We're just going to not for you, not for you're not going to get it. You need it, but you're not going to you're not going to get it. You're going to get the bill with, with interest. We actually talked about this. I, I did a video today at the. Well, do I want to say this or do I want to surprise everyone when the video comes out? I made a video about this today, <laughs> and you're going to love it when it comes out. Was that the one you were telling yes, me? My wife agrees. Don't say anything. <laughs> My wife's here too, by the way. Everybody say hi to Spike's wife in the comments. Because <laughs> that's the only way you're going to be able to do it. 2,000 shares and my wife comes over and says hi. Two th <laughs> she says no. One million shares. Uh, she we, comes we'll, we'll over. Get... One, million One million shares and my wife comes over and co-hosts with us. Uh, yes. One million shares and... She joins the show. If we get a million shares, we're getting a million subscribers. Okay, sweetheart. Listen, 2,000 shares, and my wife comes here, sits on my lap, and no. gives me a big kiss on the face. No. You're not helping. <laughs> no, I'm no, I know. I know. Bye. Where, um, so speaking of my wife leaving, 
Portland. Um, Portland. There we go. <laughs> sure. Why not? That was sure. as good of a segue as I could have come up with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> this show is not a mess, even remotely. No, not even a little bit. Not even a little bit of a mess. Nope. Nope. The, the 48 hours I had to mentally prepare myself to do this was apparently not enough hours. There should have been. <laughs> <laughs> this is going perfectly, Matt. You're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. I, what a great show this is. Everyone encourage Matt in the, in the, in the comments. If, if a thousand people encourage Matt in the comments, my wife will come over here and kiss my face. <laughs> Matt Hicks definitely will come over and kiss your face. That I don't want that. Yeah, but... That's what the people. Want. No, I know that's much more likely to happen, but I don't want Matt to kiss me in the face. I get that. Again. So trying to find the beginning of this story was actually really difficult. Um, there are so many layers uh, to how this story all began. So we're going to start it. We're all great stories start. And that is in the middle at some point. Um, Come on over and give me a kiss. <laughs> on the face the what no 8 30 yeah love you <laughs> middle of the story for middle, portland middle of the story yeah. for portland <laughs> over the uh over the past week federal agents including those from trump's department of homeland security and uh justice have been terrorizing the communities of portland and relentlessly attacking protesters as you can see in this photo and in this one as well where the jack booted heavily militarized police forces have been just going around and doing their thing um <laughs> it's okay though matt because i heard the people that they're targeting aren't libertarians and that Makes it okay. That makes it okay. Unless they're Republicans, then it's not okay again. Right. Because if two of my enemies are fighting in the streets, I don't care. Um, uh, <laughs> two of the people at the protest were Mark Pettibone and Connor O'Shea. Now, an unmarked minivan, they... They were peacefully protesting. Uh, they were leaving the protest. They were walking home. Uh, and an unmarked van comes, pulls up in front of them. Um, bunch of men in camo jump out. And Connor O'Shea, who I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe he was a high school track star, ran away successfully. Because <laughs> he's a high school track star. Right. Yeah. When I Googled Connor O'Shea, I found a bunch of videos of a Connor O'Shea talking about his big track meet where he broke some local record. So checks out. Checks, checks out. out. Don't know checks if it was out. him. Um, but Connor O'Shea ran away. Uh, he said, I see guys in camo, uh, four or five of them pop out, open the door. And it was just like, oh, bleep. I don't know who you are, or what you want with us. Uh, so he runs away and he uh, Run away. escapes. Pettibone. Apparently did not run high school track. He was not as lucky. The feds pulled his beanie over his face, threw him in the van, and drove him to a federal courthouse where he was held in detention. Um, 
Once he was there, two officers read him his Miranda rights, but didn't say why he was being arrested. One of the officers, while searching him and reading the Miranda rights to him without telling him why he was being arrested, said, this is a whole lot of nothing. They said, would you like to waive your rights? Uh, Would you like to waive your rights and answer a few questions for us? He said, not without my lawyer. And... 90 minutes later, he was released without paperwork, citation, or record of arrest. You know, a total violation of habeas corpus, the Fourth Amendment, arguably the Fifth Amendment. It's a few things there. But it's again, it's okay because it's not bad when government starts blatantly violating people's rights if they disagree with us on certain things. However... Should you ever be confronted by the police and they say, would you like to waive your right to answer some questions to anything? To anything. You say lawyer. Lawyer. And then you shut up. Yep. Shut, shut up. up. Don't stay. If you, we, do, we do this a lot on the show. If the police ask you if you would like to waive your rights, you say no. You say, I want my lawyer. And then you shut up. We say that if the police pull you over, shut up. Shut up. Don't answer any questions. Really, just if the police are asking you something, let them know that you don't talk without a lawyer, and then shut up. Because if you continue talking, you're talking without a lawyer, which you just said you don't do. So do what you just said that that you don't do what you just said you don't do. Do the do the thing where you don't talk without a lawyer because you just said it and shut up. Correct. Just just don't talk. Just don't talk. Don't um, talk. Like my friend Ian Peake said, if you see a bird, tell it to get a warrant. Matt? Donovan LaBella was even less lucky. Oh, gosh. And before I play this video, I want to uh, give everybody fair warning. I did not I, I, I did not take this video, obviously. I am not in Portland. Um, I had nothing to do with the language that is on this video. And Uh-oh. I have nothing to do with the violence that is on this video. And I needed it all to be in there so you would get the full impact. So uh, I definitely apologize to everybody who may get offended by this video. Now, Donovan is the guy with the speaker. He throws the canister back, throws it back, just tosses it back. And then shot in the face. Shot him in the face with a rubber bullet. Now, the other protesters are dragging him away from the scene, as you can see here. Dragging him away. We're about to be uh, brought into a close-up of that because I want you to see what happens when you get shot with a rubber bullet in the face. Uh, 
And as you can see, when you get shot right between the eyes with a rubber bullet, you uh, bleed massively, and it knocks you right on out. So he's sitting there, he's holding a speaker above his head for anybody who couldn't grasp what was happening in that video or didn't possibly see it. A canister of tear gas comes over towards him. He kicks it, he picks it up, he throws it back, picks his speaker back up. He doesn't like throw it back at them. He just kind of throws it halfway across the street, picks his speaker back up. He's holding it there and you just see his head snap back because he got shot right between the eyes by a non-lethal rubber bullet by a less lethal rubber bullet less lethal people have died being shot by rubber and wax bullets and sand projectiles and all these other different projectiles and if you shoot someone between the eyes that less lethality goes up slightly to possible lethality yes now his mother said that uh donovan is six five 6'5", and it is standard protocol if you are using rubber bullets to shoot for center mass or toward the gut. So she wants to know if he's 6'5", the person who shot had to be terribly trained marksman to be off by three feet to hit him in the forehead right between the eyes. If he's that bad of a shot at such a short distance, he shouldn't have a gun. And more than likely, he's actually a very good shot, which is why Donovan got shot square between the eyes. Now, two nights ago, and for the people saying that there are echoes, I apologize. I don't know how to get rid of that in this juncture. Um, Mm. It's only when we have video. Um, Oh. Yeah. Um, So, oh, I do know how to get rid of that, I think. It's dangerous, but we can do it. Um, so, do I need to mute? Is that the problem? No, it's because I have okay. it going through the mixer and going through. Ah, right. Okay. Um, so, a couple of nights ago, a group stating, and I don't know this for certain, I don't know these people, but a group claiming to be all moms showed up. Uh, showed up and were standing on the front lines of the protesters and they were chanting fed stay clear moms are here in an attempt to quell the fed violence against the protesters if you had to guess how did that turn out were they armed no well not that then you, i doubt it went well right not that you saw yeah then i i doubt it went well well let's find out As you can see, they are gassing them. As you can see, they are gassing them. They are sending them, uh, uh, whatever. And uh, it appears as though Portland is up in um, looking like an absolute war zone. Um, So feds don't care about your mom either. Just pointing it out. Yeah, no, the just saying. The feds will kill your mom. The feds don't 
care about your mom at all. Uh, we can contrast this mad and loving viewing audience at home uh, with the multiple protests where people were heavily armed, including Black Lives Matter and even Black Power protesters. And the police just let them do their thing. They just let them do their thing. They didn't do mass arrests. They didn't tear gas anyone. They didn't fire rubber bullets at them because they had guns. And the police, really no one wants to bring tear gas to a gunfight no. because they don't want to be shot at by people with guns or even to cause mass confusion in a large group of people with guns who some of whom may start shooting out of that confusion and fear. So it turns out that a great way to uh, make sure that the, uh, the First Amendment is protected or that your right to be able to speak and to petition your grievances and to protest and to peacefully assemble is to have guns. Like you don't have to like guns. I'm not telling you, you should like guns. I'm telling you that we have a myriad of evidence of what happens when unarmed protesters show up to stuff and contrast that when armed protesters show up to stuff. It's a completely different story because again, no one wants to get shot at by lots of people. We generally, as people, want to not get shot at by, well, anyone, but especially other people. And so that would just, we're not telling people to be armed. We're just saying what happens when you are versus when you aren't. And you can come to your own conclusions. And then again, also shut up when you're talking, when the cops come to you, just shut up. Shut If you're armed, that's great. You can be armed and shut up. You don't have to talk because you have a gun. You can shut up while you're armed. It's really just a good idea to, to shut up just around. Just please. shut up. Just you have, there's nothing to say. Right. Just shut up. Now I want to. I want to I, I'd say I want a lawyer. Then shut up. And then shut just, up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Correct. Just shut up. Just don't talk. Just you want a lawyer, and then you, that's all. That's you've said what you want is the lawyer, and then to not talk. So speaking of. Shutting up. <laughs> now, the state of Oregon, um, because of all of this, um, because of all of this, the state of Oregon has issued a, well, they've asked a judge to issue a temporary restraining order that would immediately stop federal authorities from unlawfully detaining Oregonians. Or, Oregonians? Sure. Oregonians. Uh, Oregonians. The, the Department of Justice said in a release. Um, the lawsuit, which was also brought on by the ACLU, is asking a judge to find that the federal agency's tactics are indeed unlawful and violate Oregonians' First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment constitutional rights. Because taking people away, not telling them why they're arrested and pulling them right off the streets, feel like that's going to violate multiple issues. That is exactly what we were told that would be protected from happening with the Constitution. And we're just talking about Oregon's constitution here. We're not even talking about the constitution. Oh, the first, fourth, and fifth amendments in Oregon's constitution say? I don't know what they say. That's just what the lawsuit says. Okay. I did, I did not research what they said. I just researched what the lawsuit You didn't said. research Oregon's entire constitution, Matt? Well, no, I did not because I don't oh, live in Oregon. Um, 
It is also asking that federal agents and officers identify themselves and their agencies before detaining or arresting any persons, which I feel like that's just... I feel like at the barest yeah, of minimums, that's the common, that's the common courtesy. I'm here from the FBI and I am here to arrest you for X. Like, I feel like that. I'm pretty sure they're actually required to do that. I, I would imagine. I would imagine they also need to explain the person why they're being arrested or detained and not arrest any person without probable cause or a warrant, which I feel all of these things are necessary. When being arrested. Yeah. They're kind of the whole part of being arrested. Who's arresting me? Why? And what is your mechanism for demonstrating that? Because you should have an articulable offense. They should be able to articulate to you what you are suspected of doing. And they should be telling you what your rights are. And then you should shut up. And then you should shut up. But that's what you should do. What they should do is identify who they are, why they're arresting you, and articulating it. Not just, you know, you're under arrest. You're not letting me do my job. That's actually not against the law. That's not against the law. What, what is the crime that you suspect that this person has committed? And what are their rights? Now, and then hopefully they, they shut up after that. Part of the reason that they're able to do this, we're going to get to in a little while. I'm certain that anybody who watches our show regularly kind of already knows where that one's going. But um, Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum stated the federal administration has chosen Portland to use their scare tactics to stop our residents from protesting police brutality. This is me with police brutality. Just, Just saying. Uh, and from stop uh, and from supporting the Black Lives Matter movement, every American should be repulsed when they see this happening. If this can happen here in Portland, it can happen anywhere. But that can't be. We have the Constitution to protect us, right? Before you even start, <laughs> before you even go into that. Ken Cuccinelli, the acting secretary of Homeland Security, in an interview with Sarah McCammon on NPR, had this to say when talking about uh, the situation in Oregon and whether or not he would support an investigation. He said, I did not add that one either. Um, Well, we are. We welcome the more investigations, the better. With as much lawbreaking as going on, we're seeking to prosecute as many people as are breaking the law as it relates to federal jurisdiction. That's not always happening with respect to local jurisdiction and local offenses. But, you know, this is a posture we intend to continue, not just in Portland, but in any of the facilities that we're responsible for around the country. So anywhere that a federal building is being attacked by protesters or was damaged by protesters or was even vandalized by protesters, Ken Cuccinelli and the Department of Homeland Security will be there. To then claim jurisdiction over that entire region, not just the property that the building's on, which is what their actual jurisdiction would be in that situation. It, it would be up to them to leave it to the 
city or state police to enforce anything outside of that immediate zone of, of, of that immediate area. They, they could, they, but that's not what they're doing. They're going around the entire city or the entire county and doing whatever they want if their building gets touched at all, which is, again, a total and blatant violation of the Constitution. Multiple amendments on it. And here we are. So this is why we're running, because right. this is what you get from both Republicans and Democrats. So later on in the interview, when Ken was pressed about the scope of the actions being taken by the feds, he stated, we're talking only about violent rioters. We're not talking about, in, about actual protesters. We're not seeking to interfere at all with any, anybody peacefully expressing themselves, period, full stop. However, in the video of Donovan LaBella that we just saw, he was holding a speaker above his head, just standing there. Somebody shot a canister over in his direction. He picked it up. He didn't throw it back at the police in a violent way. He just tossed it about halfway across the street. And they shot him in the face. Yeah. It's not violence to take a canister of tear gas that's near you and throw it away from you. That's not violence. The violence was the tear gas being shot at you. Which, by the way, tear gas is banned by the Geneva Convention. So the U.S. government can't use it in other countries against enemy combatants. They use it here against you. I'm going to say that again. There's a weapon that the U.S. government has that they won't use against ISIS or Al-Qaeda. But they'll use they it. They use it against you. And then they'll call you a violent rioter. Right. And if you're against it, they'll call you a terrorist. And they'll still use those things against you because they can do it here. Yeah. And people in the, uh, people in the comments, John Thompson says, who makes the determination about who is violent? Exactly. Mar Margie Langley Gold says, is yelling violence asking for a friend? Melissa Marie says, clearly holding speakers is a violent act. Exactly. 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 Right. Who determines what's violent? The, the, the person who just tossed, who just, it was the person who just fired the group of people who just fired tear gas at people and then shot one of them in the face determined that they were being violent. That's the answer to that question. It's the people being violent who determine if the people who don't like getting shot in the face are the ones being violent or not. And we just saw how that goes. Right. Now, this all stems from a memo from Attorney General Barr in June that was dedicated to countering anti-government extremists, of which the guy on left and the guy on right we'd fall into that category. By our positions, we would absolutely right. fall into what they consider to be anti-government extremists. Depending on and definition. I'm the vice presidential candidate of the third largest political party in the country. Right. Um, and in this memo, in this memo, he singled out those who support. Man, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that word in a podcast that's streaming on Facebook or Twitter now. The CNN movement? Yeah, 
those who support the CNN movement or the Fiesta or whatever it's being called nowadays, and those who the hoot nanny, the hoot nanny, or those who uh, self-identify as Antifa. Which again, we've covered that on this show. Antifa, there is no organizational structure known as Antifa. Antifa is 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 basically shorthand for anti-fascism. There are anti-fascism who engage in completely peaceful and very helpful. And uh, in fact, uh, many libertarians who are part of Antifa who have never done anything violent in their lives. There are people who consider themselves part of Antifa who have done violent and destructive things. That's true of any movement, including the CNN movement or the gun rights movement or the Tea Party movement or any other movement. And to label a uh, anyone who uh, affiliates themselves with being against fascism as a terrorist, which denies them their due process rights, denies them the right to an attorney, allows for them to be sent to places like Guantanamo or to be uh, summarily executed by assassination or anything else that they would do to terrorists. First of all, the government's really overplaying its hand by saying that being against fascism is terrorism. Uh, and the second of all, it makes it so that anyone who isn't either a fascist or neutral to fascism, potentially a terrorist if they ever, uh, if they ever cross the government. Now, all of these actions uh, to be able to just label people as they're doing here, just saying, oh, yeah, this person is a self-identified Antifa member or this person uh, backs the CNN movement. Mm-hmm. Is a Hawaiian shirt enthusiast. Thanks, John Thompson. Hawaiian shirt enthusiast. There we go. Yeah, I like that one. Um, to be able to do that, mm-hmm. we have to go back to 2011 when Obama signed the 2012 NDAA, which included provisions that gave the executive branch and all of the executive departments, the power to hold individuals, including U.S. citizens, in military detention indefinitely. Now, granted, at the time, and only in theory, the NDAA could only apply to someone involved in 9-11 or who substantially supported al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or associated forces. But there was no way that could ever go wrong. That's never, yeah. There's no way that that would ever move past that immediate limited scope or be abused in any way. And yet, here we are. And yet, here we are. Now, in two- I remember conservatives complaining about the NDAA and saying that this was going to be used against the American people. And now it is. And they're, they're outraged, I'm sure, Matt. Yes. I'm positive that they are all very upset about this you would think they would have to be one would think that they'd be upset about their fellow americans even if they don't agree with them politically being rounded up and treated like terrorists summarily by the federal police on american streets and in american neighborhoods there's no way that the fact that it's being done against people who are not right wing or conservative would make them suddenly support such actions and say it's perfectly fine and that the federal government should be doing this uh, and that, that that's good and that there's no way uh, that they would not see that eventually a, a left winger will do this exact same thing against them very second that they want to. No way at all. No way. No now, way. Now. Now. In 2017, six lawmakers, which was led by Republican from Tennessee, Bob Corker and Democrat from Virginia, Tim Kaine, 
just so everybody knows, this was very bipartisan, wrote an updated AUMF that specifies the authorized targets of military, uh, American military force as the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, plus five enumerated associated forces that are active across North and East Africa, the Middle East, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. Sure, you know, you got to update Uh-oh. this. Why not? Yeah. But beyond these specific groups, the bill says new groups can be named associated forces provided that the president inform Congress within 48 hours of the designation. So to name people who are Hawaiian shirt enthusiasts or who self-identify as Antifa as associated forces with domestic terrorism. They are now on the list of groups that can be targeted by the NDAA. Funny how that happens. Now, Tim Kaine, who we all remember from 2016 running against Trump and then giving him this kind of power and authority, came out a year later um, and has been saying that he has voted to repeal the 2002 AUMF. Um, the same thing he wrote a bill expanding in 2017. He was very proud that the House decided to vote against it and, or to get rid of it, and he hopes that the Senate does as well. Even though he, thing he strengthened three years ago. The yep. thing he strengthened three years, two, well, December. It was December of 2017. So, so not even not three even. years. So two and a half years ago, just over. Solid 31 months ago. Right. Totally changed his mind. Hey, people can change their minds. Did he mention the fact that he had to change his mind because he was the one who strengthened it? Probably um, not. Probably not. Man, somebody just left us a novel. I'm not reading that one. Um. So uh, we do have a few minutes left. I know uh, we're doing to we finished this out, and then I guess we have a, a laser legend question. We have like four questions. Yeah. Do you? Okay, I may have to give very short answers. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. We're gonna see if this even works because I've never done this with Anchor. <laughs> so now, kids, it's time for the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Anchor call-in moment. That's right, where you can call in to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and leave message, or not call in, you can go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and you can hit the old message button and leave us messages that we will play live on the air and one of us will answer for you. And uh, there's also a donate button. And I'm not going to say if you donate to us, you get a special prize, but I'm not going to say you don't. Now our and we do have special prizes. Sure. And our if you donate $1,000 this evening, my wife will come back here and sit on my lap and kiss me on the face. Yes, but you're going to have to do that through PayPal because Anchor only accepts $9.99 a month. Um, no. Right. <laughs> so go to PayPal. Let's go to uh, send PayPal to muddywatersthefreedom at gmail.com and my wife will kiss me. Yes. What a treat for you. Accurate. Our first question comes from first-time caller Connor Gann. Okay. Hi there, Spike. Hi there, Matt. 
It's great to be able to uh, ask the former VP some questions. Former. Have you uh, had any well, thoughts about VP. a negative income tax? Do you have any plans to implement it, or what's your overall opinion? Thank you for your time. So a negative income tax is sort of a, a different version. By the way, thank you for asking your question, Connor, and I am already happy to be a former vice president. That's fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to easing into my golden years. Um, so a negative income tax is sort of another version of UBI where uh, after your income goes below a certain level, you start getting money back. from. That's why they call it a negative income tax. You're getting money from the government. The, the problem with all four forms of UBI, including the negative income tax, even though there may be an, an immediate improvement upon the welfare system, is once you start just giving everyone money, you really all you're doing is causing mass inflations by just increasing the price floor for everything. So if everyone knows that, if all providers know that everyone has this much money every single month or every single quarter or however it's divvied out, they're going to raise their price accordingly. And so that's going to get outstripped. It's going to cause increased inflation. Uh, also, because you're rapidly expanding the monetary supply by giving everyone this money, that causes the value of the currency that they're handing out to go down over time. So those two things combined just lead to massive inflation. And what happens over time is there becomes the snowball effect. $1,000, we've already seen how quickly $1,000 became $1,200 during the stimulus packages that happened earlier this month. Uh, 1200 becomes 1500 becomes 2000 becomes 2500 becomes 3000 becomes 5000 becomes 10000 and and it, at the worst that the more you have to raise it the, the higher the inflation goes up which means the more that you have to raise it and it turns into this snowball effect and it, it ends up not ending well the answer is sound money get us out get the federal reserve and the federal reserve and get the government out of the issuance of currency and move currency over to the free market where providers will have a vested interest in giving you the most sound currency that actually gains in value over time with the cost of living actually going down over time because they want you to use their currency instead of one of the other competitors so that's the answer to that yep can't add a single thing okay. to that okay question number two <laughs> From Nick Cannon. Hey there, my name's Camden Hill. I'm Camden from Warner Robins, Georgia. Uh, I was doing some research into you, saw on your Wikipedia page that you are of Jewish faith. So I just wanted to know if you are familiar with the Nick Cannon events that have recently come out because of statements made on his podcast for saying, uh, you know, anti Semitic comments that were made. He lost his job almost immediately. Um, when I listened to it, I didn't hear anything that was like, blatantly anti-Semitic, I guess, but I'm figuring, you know, somebody that's involved in that religion would have, you know, maybe maybe there's something I'm missing because I'm not involved in it. So I was just wondering what your opinion on it was and your opinion on his getting fired after his statements. Thanks. Have a great day. Now, before, be, before you give that answer, Nick Cannon did not get fired. His show that he had coming out got pushed back. Uh, got pushed back a couple of months. Fox said that they weren't going to fire him for his statements. Um, and somebody else decided not to fire him. I don't remember who that was. But he did okay. not get fired for his statements that he made. Okay. And, and thank you for your question. I, unfortunately, I don't know exactly what happened there. Um, I did hear that he had done something that he had put. I think he retweeted Louis Farrakhan or something like that. So he showed up on a podcast and he was saying that uh, blacks were the true Hebrews and that the Jewish people didn't belong there and uh, or they were. Oh, so he's doing the Hebrew Israelite thing. Yeah. Okay, so there's a there's a an ideology called the Hebrew Israelites. They believe that African Americans 
uh, or, or people of African descent are the true Hebrews. They have taken a handful of quotes from the uh, of scriptures from the Bible, heavily out of context, uh, to say that uh, only Africans are the uh, true Hebrews and that the Jews are, are false Hebrews and, and uh, they call us the synagogue of Satan. Uh, the reality is that the ancient Hebrews definitely look much more like black people than they did like white people. They, they for lack of a better word, they were black. If you, if you look at an Ethiopian or a Somali, that's very much what the ancient Hebrews look like. It's also true that over several thousand years and various migrations across the planet, Jews ended up looking like all sorts of different things. The ones who worked their way into throughout Africa, like the Igbo people in Nigeria, are black. The ones that went out east, they look more uh, eastern, and and uh, and even some that are that are Asian. There are many that stayed in the Middle Eastern areas, and they still look largely like they did at the time when the uh, when the Romans started uh, just started um, uh, scattering the Jewish people from their lands. Um, and many of us, the Ashkenazi. Uh, were ended up in Europe where we continued intermingling with the white populations so that we didn't end up all inbred uh, as a result of the fact that there weren't many of us. And so we ended up becoming white. Um, and so we are white. We are Jewish. Uh, there are multiple uh, uh, genetic studies that have been done on Ashkenazi Jews as well as other Jewish populations around the world that demonstrate that we have uh, blood that is tied directly to the Middle East, um, even despite the fact that we are white after many years of intermingling with uh, your native European populations over time. We are we are every bit as much of the descendant of the Hebrews as everyone else. With that said, if that's uh, Nick's opinion, that's his opinion. Uh, I, is it anti-Semitic, I guess, to an extent? Is it harmful or, or hate speech? I, it depends on the context. If he just has that opinion, that's one thing. If he's advocating for violence against us or for bad things to be done to us. And then st that certainly becomes hate speech. Uh, I think it's up to those networks to decide what they want to do with them. And it's up to uh, the viewers to decide how they want to respond to whether he's fired or not. But uh, without knowing more, I don't really want to say much, but uh, the Hebrew Israelite uh, ideology has some major flaws in it uh, that are based on um, some people trying to sell a DVD series instead of putting more context into, uh, into uh, scripture. So so our next question comes from Nick Taylor. Okay. Hey, Spike. This is definitely uh, one of those further out there questions that are going to get some uh, conspiracies possibly popping up in people's heads. But um, I feel it's necessary. So my question is, what is your take, your stance, opinion, whatever you want to call it, on child trafficking, sex trafficking, human trafficking, etc., in America, and how would you guys fight that? I know the war on drugs being ended and coming to a close would help. I know the prostitution being legalized would help. But then further yeah. than that, the child trafficking seems to be something huge going on right now that people are really, really concerned about, and we should be. So... Yep, I'd love to hear your stance, opinions, or whatever else you have to say. Thank you. Bye. Hey, thank you. And uh, I actually have to go and plug my phone in because it's dying. Because this is the the map, right? It has to deal with Spike Cohen's nonsense episode of The Money Waters of Freedom. Um, so child trafficking is absolutely a terrible thing. 
And yes, it is true that ending the war on drugs and ending the war on sex work would go a tremendous way towards fighting sex sex trafficking, specifically also uh, child sex trafficking, for the reason being that whenever you uh, take uh, something out of a black market and put it back into a a, a free market where people can uh, freely engage in something without fear of prosecution, it takes the criminal element out of it. So that now, instead of things being provided by, you know, criminal cartels, now they're being provided by competing providers that can provide in an open market. And that removes things like child trafficking, or at least it takes it, it, take, it makes it so that the main people providing these services aren't also doing those things. And what that does is it allows law enforcement and it allows people within that community to focus their efforts on stopping child trafficking instead of having fear that if they speak out against it or try to stop it, that they themselves will also be criminalized. Uh, for being involved in the sex trade in the first place. Um, so it will be a powerful way to stop it. Another thing I like to say is one powerful way of fighting sex trafficking is kicking child sex traffickers out of positions of power in D.C. and Hollywood. And uh, that's a, a big part of that is the fact that, unfortunately, without diving into, into you know, too much conspiracy theory, unfortunately, a lot of people in power also happen to not also – so if you are someone who is drawn to using power to abuse people with less power uh, than you, it turns out that that's what child molesters do, too. And so certainly not saying that uh, every uh, child molester uh, is a powerful person. I'm certainly not saying that every powerful person is a child molester, but there's some serious overlap there. And so uh, by removing people like that from power, uh, that will go a tremendous way in stopping it at its core. And our final question is from Laser Legends. Hey guys, this is Matt Hicks calling in on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney at law, anchor call in line, checking in from room 216 of the Wyndham Garden Inn in lovely Schaumburg, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, chronicling fear and loathing on the campaign trail with the majestic sweet sweet summer boy spike cohen and i would just like to uh get your take both of you on these insane ballot access laws that the lp illinois has to deal with just to get candidates on the ballot hashtag laser legend now i don't really have an opinion on this because i don't know the ballot access laws in illinois they're really bad uh matt so we did get ballot access relief uh, which uh, knocked down the number of signatures that we needed to get to, I think, like, what was it, 2,500 for the president or something like that. So it made it a lot a lot lower, and they gave us relief because right now there aren't big events you can go to to try to get lots of signatures, and you can't really knock on people's doors during a pandemic and ask them to use the same clipboard that everyone else is. Uh, but we have states like Illinois that uh, have ridiculous burdens for anyone who isn't a Republican or a Democrat. So you may think, well, it's, it's okay that these burdens are high. Because if Republicans and Democrats can do it, then everyone else should have to do it, too. No, the Republicans and Democrats, they just pay a filing fee. They don't have to 
do it. They don't have to get signatures uh, signed or anything like that. They don't have to get petitions signed. They don't have to do anything. They really just show up, they pay a fee, and they're on there automatically because the Republicans and Democrats wrote the rules. It is a cartel. It is a voting cartel. And uh, and so we want to break that up. If, once the libertarians are in power, we'll get rid of all of these ridiculous laws. Uh, we'll make it so that whatever the standard is to get on the ballot, everyone will have to apply by apply to it, whether they're a Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green, Constitution, Reform, whatever. Socialist Party, doesn't matter. Whatever you are, whether you're an independent or you're with a party, the standards will be the same. We'll also make the standards pretty pretty uh, low to be able to get on there. I mean, it's one thing to say that you should have to demonstrate some mild level of, of interest in your candidacy to be able to get on. Otherwise, you'd end up with a ballot with a thousand pages that would take forever to get through. But it doesn't take a lot to filter out most of those folks. Saying that you have to get 50 signatures or 100 signatures or pay a few hundred dollars to the filing fee or something like that, that would make it so that, you know, every, every, you know, troll on, on earth couldn't simply just go on and, 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 you know, get, get, uh, get on the ballot. Um, but it would also allow for people who de- deserve every bit to be on the ballot, uh, to, to be able to contest the election and to be able to give their, give their opinion and to be able to give people yet another choice in a nation of 330 million, uh, or in a state like this with tens of millions of people in it, several million people in it, uh, there's absolutely no reason that they should have two choices who just happen to both suck. And of course they both suck because they know they're the only two choices. A duopoly is not much better than a monopoly, especially when they work together so much that you might as well call them a monopoly. So that would be my answer to that. Hashtag fix Bloomington's roads. And that was the final call on this week's episode of personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. And remember, everybody, you can go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and uh, hit the old favorite button, and you can leave us messages there. Um, And you can also donate, as we said before. Um, Do you want to do an update? I know you're really short on time. Yeah, I kind of updated before, but again, I'll be in uh, in Illinois for one more day. I'm going to be doing the Fox Valley uh, Libertarian meet and greet tomorrow in uh, beautiful East Dundee, Illinois. I don't know where that is, but I'm going there uh, between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Will you Central ask if time. it's near Shermer? Yeah. Thanks. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, and so I'll be doing that. And then uh, on Thursday, I'm flying to Columbus, Ohio. I'll be doing the convention there. I'll also be uh, going to a Black Lives Matter rally. I'm doing a Reddit AMA uh, at r slash libertarian on Saturday. Um, I'm going to be the keynote speaker at the Libertarian Party of Ohio. So if you're in Columbus, Ohio, or anywhere near it, or just want to go to Ohio to meet me, uh, come to the LP Ohio Libertarian Party of Ohio convention and hang out with me. Hear my keynote speech. It'll be awesome. You're going to love it. Kids love it. And then, uh, and then I'll be back in beautiful Myrtle Beach uh, very late on Monday. So, folks, thanks again for tuning in. And sorry that we had to have a short show, but I have something right after this. And uh, thank you, Matt, for streaming this. I know that you did, you did it. It's, you did it, and I, it's done now. I, I've only got like three minutes left, and I am so excited about that. And it's all over. And then it's all over. And, folks, thanks again for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Uh, I'm not doing an episode of My Fellow Americans uh, this week. It would be way too much. Uh, but we will see you next week. Right here, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, for another episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week's events like the sweet summer boys that we are. So thanks again for tuning in. And where we're going, we don't need roads.